are now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff too. Now let's join our hosts, Q and J, as they broadcast live from the writer's room. The show starts in one... Ah! <laughs> Why did you tell me that's how you were going to start this? <laughs> okay, I'm done. Uh, no, that's how I feel, because we just saw a movie together. We did. Uh, we saw... Wait, what did we just see? What? It? What? Movie? What? It? We saw it. We it? saw it. But what about it? We saw the movie, It. It? Yeah, It. But not that. Who's on first? It? <laughs> We saw it. <laughs> hey guys, we saw it. Yeah. This is Q, J. This is J. And A. A. And this is another take three review. This for time, it. it's it's for what? It. What's that? It. The movie? Yeah. We're we're not doing this again. Don't worry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah. So we just saw it on IMAX, and it Ooh. was. Real scary. Which may have been a mistake. Yeah, it was definitely a mistake. 100% pants peeing mistake. Not, I'm, you know what? I'm going to stand by it. I loved watching it on the IMAX. I'm going to have nightmares for sure. I, I thought it was great. I'm having it was ni- so much fun to watch it on the IMAX. I'm having nightmares right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a waking nightmare. Awake nightmare. You're a walking nightmare. <laughs> it's so true. All right. So, just like our Dark Tower review, we have a very unique situation here regarding our familiarity with it, so to speak. Uh, A, you have recently, like very recently, finished reading it, the novel. Yes. Okay. Jay, as every one of our listeners knows, is a diehard Stephen King fan. So you have read this novel, I'm sure, a couple times. Yes, but it's been a while, so it it hasn't been a recent read. I would say the last time I read the book was probably... Six or seven years ago. And then, as our listeners also know, I can't read. So, <laughs> I have seen the miniseries a whole bunch. Which, so have I. So, I'm kind of in the middle. Is I haven't seen the miniseries as many times as you, Q. Right. But I also haven't read the book as recently as A. So, I kind of have this mixed perspective in so, the middle. So, we have this nice... Nice, uh, what do you call it? Us uh, uh, Triage? Yes. Is that what it is? Menage a trois. Menage a trois of it. Menage a twit. Oh, no. That no. sounds bad. No. I don't like the way nope. that sounds at all. Retracted. Feels icky. Redacted. <laughs> itty? Uh, it feels itty. Uh, so let's talk about our excitement level for this movie going into it. Now, here's something that I was very worried about. So prior to going into the Dark Tower, uh, we had seen trailers. We were we were very hyped for it. Yeah. And yeah. it was such a letdown. <laughs> it's a huge letdown. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was kind of worried about that with this too. Not that it was going to be a letdown based off of anything that I had seen, but I was just worried that my expectations were too high and that no matter what I was about to see, I was just going to be like, oh. (laughs) You know, I can actually totally get behind that because I was so excited for The Dark Tower. You know, I was almost as or more excited for this movie because everything I had seen leading up to it just looked fantastic. So... Going in, I had extremely high hopes, and this is one of my favorite Stephen King books, so I definitely wanted it to be good. 
I felt pretty confident from just what I had seen and what I had read that it was at least going to meet my expectations. Um, so I went in just ready. Oh, for sure. And I can say I was pleasantly surprised that I wasn't thoroughly disappointed. Which is great. Is that fair? I hey, mean, how do you feel about it? You look very serious. No, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. It was very, very good. That's good. That's so good. Awesome. That's a great, and that's the end of the review show. So, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. We liked it. It was good. It was good. Come back next week. No, We're, but I mean, you you read the, the book. most in depth reviews around. <laughs> five high fives, five minute reviews. <laughs> that, was more, that was more like a fifty second. What review. movie did you see? It. Did you like it? Yes. yes. The end. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> see you next time. High five, five second review. <laughs> that's it. Oh, okay. But no, I mean, you you read the book super recently, so you were real excited, but also really nervous about this, I could tell. Yeah, I was real nervous because, you know, when when I read this book, um, it was, uh, reading this, it was, a, it was a, it's a tome, okay? Mm. This book is huge. 1,100 some odd pages, I've, huge. I've never read a book. I, I've also big. never read a book. <laughs> okay. Um. And but I, I loved it, and I fell in love with these characters, and I felt like I knew who these kids were. Right. Um. And I wanted this movie to do them justice. Right. Justice for these kids. Mm-hmm. Avenge me, boys. Like no, that's the event. Red, Red Dawn thing. style. That is a different thing. All right. How do you feel about it? I. I'll play my card early. Oh, and by the way, we should mention this is going to be a hugely spoiler-full uh, episode. So if you haven't seen it, or uh, you should probably stop listening, or if you just don't care about spoilers, stick around. Totally. Yeah, or if listen. you haven't read the book and you want to read the book, don't, yeah. don't listen. Go yeah, away. we're going to spoil a lot of it. So um, I, I'll play my hand early. I love I loved it. Excellent. I thought it was awesome. Now, there were things that were different from the book. There and were there a were, lot of things that were different there from were, the book. There were a few things that were different from the book. Uh, but what they did and what Muschietti was able to do, I, I was just kind of blown away because it's probably my favorite horror film in a long time. Okay. A long time. So, for me, um, yeah, it was captivating. It's one of those movies, <clears throat> so as a big fan of the original It miniseries, which to be honest, like, has its faults. It's very cheesy, has some really dodgy special effects, uh, but, but it... I mean, it was made for TV, though, so keep, 100%. We, got, we have to keep that in mind. Everybody should keep that in mind. Um, so, with that being my only, like, prior uh, knowledge of this story, um, it was very intriguing and kind of overwhelming to see it presented in so much more of a polished and fleshed out way. Polished is a great word for it. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like they took this story that I was already very familiar with and just kind of elevated it. You know what I mean? It became even more... um, in depth and mm-hmm. po- and polished. I mean, that's yeah. the best way to put it. Well, and it's kind of amazing. And now I know the miniseries deals with you know their adult lives and the kid story simultaneously. But this almost felt like it was able to do 
as much or more than the f- whole four hours of the miniseries in like two hours and 15 minutes. And so for those who are not familiar with the book, such as myself, but you know, you guys have informed me. So the book, much like the miniseries, covers both time periods of the main characters, the Losers Club, being children and also being adults 27 years after their their childhood run-in with it. Yes. But this movie, they chose to solely focus on them as children with the intention of setting up another movie which will, I'm guessing, solely take place in their adult stages. I mean, I have to imagine that. I mean, they've already greenlit the sequel. Um, I think they did that this past Wednesday, like even before the movie got released. And at the very end of the movie, again, spoiler, it comes back up at the title It with the words Chapter 1 below it. So it gives very much the impression that they have every intention of continuing it. Now, I'm curious because I know my feelings on it, but, you know, A... How did you feel about them kind of separating those stories, or would you have rather they told both simultaneously and had a, a midpoint? No, I, I actually I liked that they split it up that way, or are going to split it up that way. I just feel like in movie form that flows better. Hmm. You know, where in the book, you know, you can you can go back and forth all the time and it doesn't matter. I would also imagine that the movie would have had to have been like five hours long. Right. Right. To accurately include the amount of stories that they were able to include in this movie. Cause this movie was what? Two hours and 15 minutes yeah. roughly. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it was a lengthy movie yeah. as is. Well, and that's, that's kind of one of the things that I really like about it is the, the novel basically is two stories. Right. Well, I mean, it's one very long story, right. but it's basically two different bits. And to tell it in a movie form, I'd much rather have this told chronologically without the context of where they're going to end up. Because it adds mystery. It adds, like, for people who don't know the book, they might not all make it. But if you see right. all of them as adults, you know where it's going. But it also allows the, the director and the storytellers to tell... A complete story without giving me a to be continued. Yeah, which was great because technically in in the it book and also in the miniseries, the these characters spoiler alert basically def- run into and have a boss battle of sorts with Pennywise twice. Twice. Yes. So it totally lends itself to being separated into two separate stories because there is still that you know. Set up midpoint and an actual end right twice. Well, you know what it, I mean. And it's kind of interesting because, like, okay, here's a good example of why I like this so much. In our last episode, we talked about Jaws, right? And Jaws, the movie, is based off of a book, right? But then there are a whole bunch of shitty sequels that have nothing to do with the like great source material, right? And that happens all the time with movies. So you'll have one adaptation of a great source material, and then they'll have a run of sequels that just have nothing to do with it because they have nothing to build from. This book is basically it, the the story and its sequel, so you can pull both movies from the source material and, and basically have the same tone, have the same author, have the same voice working behind it. So it lends itself to two movies very well. Yeah. And that makes me happy because it won't feel like the sequel is forced. It will feel like it's necessary and earned. Right. I can totally get behind that. So let's let's break down the people in it. 
and you guys can tell me what I'm missing out on. So basically, the quick synopsis of this movie. The gist is, you've got how many kids is it? Seven. So you got seven kids who kind of form a friendship over a summertime. Some of them have already been friends. Some of them are newcomers to the group. Mm -hmm. Um, They form a bond. They each individually get tortured by this weird entity uh, through visions and interfering with their lives. They come together and they battle what ultimately is revealed to be Pennywise the Clown, which is kind of this evil force in the town of Derry. And the movie ends with them kind of all not being afraid of it anymore and killing it or at least disarming it disarming it and banishing it it appears elsewhere um and then that's the end of the movie so um obviously there's a lot of stuff that i left out but that was kind of the condensed version um so in regards to translation from book to screen was there any major plot points that were left out of this adaptation and so for this, right, this question right here is left out completely, not like changed yes, to another no. version. Like, is there stuff that is not contained? Because you guys told me about one of the bullies in this movie. Uh, what's his name? Patrick Hockstetter. Hockstetter. Yeah. Who in the in this movie, well, in the It miniseries is pretty much a non-entity altogether. He's just there to be broken in half and pulled into a pipe. In this movie, it's kind of a similar situation. He's just there to get to chase the kids into the sewer and then get attacked by zombie children. Zombie cheerleaders, it looked like. That's right. Which was, by the way, freaky as shit. It was freaky. When he, like, lit the flamethrower. And they're and, just there. Oh, it was. And then they were closer the next time. Yes. Oh, it was great. Um, But then he's gone. Yeah. And so you guys had kind of hinted prior to seeing this movie that if if his story arc was not told in the movie, you would tell me on this episode because it's apparently only in the book and they do not do his story yeah. arc in the movie. So a, since you have a more recent familiarity with the source material, I'll let you explain the Patrick Hockstetter arc for Q and any listener who doesn't know it. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> it just, it makes me so sad that they even put him in this movie because it's like, why bother? Okay. Okay. Because his character in the book is so large. Okay. Um, he, his character starts to creep into the story in the book. Okay. At first, like he's a kid that's like in a schoolyard and he has like a pencil box and he collects dead flies Weird. and he likes to run up and show kids. And, um, so it starts out with things like that. Um, and then he starts hanging out with Henry Bowers and his cronies and then um, they hang out, and several times in the book they'll be like in a, um, in like a junkyard, and they're hanging out together, and they start doing very weird things to each other, molesty things Ooh. to each other. Like, like they but play. Patrick initiates. Patrick teaches them how to play doctor, if you will. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and um, Beverly. Um, I forget exactly what she's doing out in the book, but she's she's out and she's in this junkyard and she sees them doing this. Right. Um and is hiding because she's she's terrified that she's going to be found. Um well, they kind of disperse their little group and she follows Patrick 
and he has a refrigerator that he has hidden and he keeps in the woods. Okay. He will capture your pet uh-huh. and lock it in the fridge and wait for it to suffocate and die. Weird. And he just comes back and like looks at it and like touches himself like every couple days to see how much they've withered. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. True story. That's what happens in the book. This kid is twisted and it's disgusting. And he um, smothered his baby brother in his crib. Yikes. Um, which destroyed his parents, obviously. Right. Um, but basically, in the book, he just decides it would be better for me if my baby brother wasn't here. So he just holds his baby brother's head into the pillow until it stops breathing. <sighs> Weird. That's really fucked up. Yeah. And, and he, he does, I mean, like the movie, he does get lured into the sewer like when he's out near his fridge one day. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't? No. I'm misremembering that? Mm-hmm. How it, does he die? He does die. Oh, no, he does die. Um, the Pennywise basically... Um, Breaks him in half and pulls him into a pipe? N- no, because Beverly is there watching him, and because Pennywise will reveal himself to be what you're afraid of, he goes back and forth between um, he's this he's this weird combination of Beverly's father and I forget what else. Um, but then the fridge basically consumes Patrick. Cool. It's, it's, so he suffocates in the refrigerator. Yeah, he suffocates. I, I forget exactly how. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Interesting. It's, this he's twisted. So it's weird because in the book, like. Henry Bowers, the main bully, is sadistic. He's, like, violent, and he's lashing out because of his terrible father. But, like, Patrick is a sociopath, like a straight-up sociopath. So he's even, if you can believe it, worse, and basically drives Henry to be even more violent than he normally would be. But, I mean, that's that's one of the things is... You know, before you know, before we saw the movie, a eh, you were saying you had a couple of criteria to make sure if you know, see if you were you were gonna like it, and one of them was that they get Henry Bowers right because the miniseries, for the all the good that it does, pussyfoots around Henry Bowers. He is not as much of a threat. He's not as violent. He's not as crazy as he is in the book. I mean, and from my perspective, I thought they did him pretty good in this movie. Yeah, they did do Henry Bowers pretty good justice. Because, I mean, he, he goes so far as he's actually carving <laughs> his name into Ben's stomach, which happens in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, he kills his dad, just like in the movie, which is in the book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the animal cruelty and stuff, or the almost animal cruelty. In the movie. In the movie. Like, that's that's there. You know, obviously, Henry Bowers' story is fleshed out a little bit more because they have more time in the sure. novel. But... For what the time they spent on him in this film, I thought was pretty accurate. It felt, at least at the beginning, felt like such a real bully, like 80s small town bully. Totally. Well, speaking of which, that's a good segue into. So something that they did differently as opposed to the book is the time setting of this. So they have moved the book, which took place in the 50s. Is now 1988. Correct. And so you get kind of a a different aesthetic for everything. 
and so I know the miniseries did take place in 58, just like, you know, in the book. Um, but I can say that, honestly, I had no problem with the time frame updating. I think I would have had a problem had they been like, it's 2017 and this is happening right now. That would have been a problem because I think social media and mm-hmm. technology would have become an issue. Um, and kids wouldn't have been what they are. I mean, like one of the the major attributes of this movie that I really loved was how realistic and and well done the kids were. Like they were right. extremely well developed, but most of the time they're never around an adult. And that's a very 80s movie in 80s lifestyle type of thing like that doesn't happen nowadays right i also think um in a weird way so here's kind of my my feeling on it um the 80s is very nostalgic for our time period right now and i feel like when this book came out which was the 80s that it was very nostalgic for the late 50s early 60s right well and i mean on a more logistical level, one of the reasons they set the movie in the 80s is so that the next movie, the set, the sequel, when they're adults, can be set nowadays. Right. Which is the same thing Stephen King did, because he wrote it in the 80s, so he set the modern-day future as, as the current as time current. period. So when they were kids, would naturally be about 27 years before. Right. So that lands in the 50s. So, yes, there's nostalgia to it, but honestly, I think a lot of it was just logistical. Right. I think it is for the movie, too, but it plays well because of that. Like, I love that they updated a bunch of the references. They make a lot of new kids on the block jokes. Right. Which I thought was great. And then in the background, you'd see, like, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child, and, you know, all these other movies, which... Obviously, wouldn't have been there in the fifties. Sure, right, a lot, right. a lot of cool references. Plus, uh, something I did notice: this movie had a pretty interesting soundtrack. Like, it was weird. Like they would, yeah, they they would play song like songs randomly. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I noticed that like a couple times, especially like they would have a couple montages. There's one with the cleaning a bathroom of all the blood and there's like a montage and like a peppy song playing. Right. And then a couple other times where they're just like out and about playing around. And then all of a sudden there's a song for like 30 seconds and you're just like, what, what? And then the rest is like a very Suspira Rosemary's baby, like string orchestra, like scary, scary, like horror movie music, which was an interesting juxtaposition. But I also thought it fit with the movie because Yes, it's a horror movie, but one of the things I found so surprising was how funny this movie was. Oh, it's totally like funny. it was legitimately funny and enjoyable, and and it's because of the kids; they were great. So, okay, top two scenes in the movie, like favorite best scenes yep. or like scariest in, scenes. Give me your favorite scene and the scariest scene. Hmm. So that'll Man, be that'll be your two one? choices. Honestly, I think the scariest scene for me is um, when that when that freaky lady painting came to life. The first time, oh, like with the weird that face. The shit out that of me. was that kind of looked like Mama. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. The shit out of me. That was um, awesome. That's I not agree. in the book. That is not in the book, and it. Part of me is like that fucking bothers me because that's not in the book. That's not what happens to him in the book. Um, 
but also kudos to the director because that scared the fuck out of me. What happened to him in the book? In the book, he's very like he's he's very much a boy scout and he likes to go out and watch birds. Um, so he's out in the barrens watching birds one day, and basically this it's like a there's a lot of different parts to the barrens in the book. So like you know you've got your pipes and everything, but then you've got also like old buildings and silo type things. Uh-huh. Um, and basically uh, a door to one of these silos kind of opens that he can kind of see across this field. And um, and he he hears something in there that kind of lures him in. And he so he goes in there and then the door shuts. And there's something up at the top that's coming down. And it's multiple voices. And he starts to hear the voices of some of these kids that have gone missing. But then the footsteps become wet. And then he starts to see this shape. And then he like just starts to freak the fuck out. And he gets out. But then as he's running away, he turns around. And there's just like this creature hand just like beckoning him to come back into the silo weird that's horrifying yeah um but i think it also talks to him at one point and is basically and that's kind of what i was telling you earlier like it creates this carnival atmosphere where he told him you know to come join the carnival or something and like he he i think he was talking about how he could smell the popcorn and weird things like that but yeah so that's what happens to him in the book okay yeah i mean i thought both were Almost equally horrifying. That mama painting was yeah. That thing was weird. Was creepy. Scared the fuck out of me. I especially liked when it came out and it was like playing the little like flute thing. Yeah, and then it it just drops it, and then it like you see its face kind of come out of the shadow, and it was just all like twisted and emperor emperor Snoke looking. Yeah, it was Emperor Snoke's wife. Yeah, Mrs. Snoke. Mrs. Snoke. I don't know why the the rabbi had a painting of mrs snoke in his office but 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 that actually you know this actually reminds me of that friends episode where everyone's afraid of phoebe's <laughs> picture is going to come to life and like come out and well get it all. is coming out of the painting i know so. but still so but i there was i liked the addition because one of the things that i think this movie did really well that i don't feel like the miniseries captured is that you know pennywise whatever he is feeds off of fear so he uses whatever you're afraid of most. And, you know, the miniseries and even the book to a degree are these big, huge set pieces. You know, it's like a wolf man and, you know, a Paul Bunyan statue or, you know, things like a mummy. But one of the things that I like about this take is that he uses things that they're scared of on a daily basis. Right. So, like, for me, you know, growing up, obviously you're scared of vampires because they're scary or you're scared of wolfmen because they're scary. But there was a hallway in my house that I was scared to walk down. Right. And that, if something happened in that hallway, it would scare me even worse, I sure. think. So the fact that he's, you know, training for his bar mitzvah and he has to walk by that painting every day, you could tell because he holds up his hand. He knows right. it's coming. I love that aspect. You know, yeah. when Eddie walks by the house on Kneebolt Street, so that's where it attacks him. Ben is always in the library, so that's where it gets him. Right. Like, I liked that everyday terror because that's honestly more horrifying in my opinion sure yeah absolutely i totally agree so solid solid favorite scary moment now tell me your favorite moment 
I don't know. All right, you want to think on it? Yeah, let me think. Think about on it. it, Jake. Give me your scariest. I think for me, my scariest moment was with Ben under the library, him okay. following the burning eggs down, and then that marionette walking headless. headless charred corpse that was scary and then him running through the uh the 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 bins and you just kind of see him flying by and then the pop-up of pennywise at the end that i thought that i think that made me jump or cringe more than anything else in the movie outside of the um gigantic pennywise in the garage scene that was pretty intense now i i'd mentioned before the podcast that i was going to say a scene that I don't think it was the scariest, but it may have disturbed me the most. Okay. And it's a scene they showed in the trailer, but I love the way they did it because they left out the best part. It's when Georgie's in the basement and he's beckoning um, his brother to come to him. And then you see Pennywise lift out of the water behind him. Uh-huh. That's where the trailer shows you and then he shows him running. But what they don't show you is that he has his hand inside Georgie working him like a puppet. Right. And you start to see his face degrade in the hand behind it. And then when he just throws down the lifeless body to run after Bill, that disturbed me more than... It's still bothering me right now. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell. Yeah. So that's it for me. Like, scariest is one of those first two. Okay. But... The most disturbing was the the hand puppet Georgie scene. All right. I think that's totally fair. What about you? Uh, scariest. Um, probably the stuff when the group of kids goes back into the Niebold Street house. Oh, um, yes. And I would say it's probably a mix of two. I think it's Eddie being attacked by Pennywise when Pennywise is just, like, in his fucking face, and Mm -hmm. he keeps grabbing his hand and acting like he's going to, like, bite his fingers off. Something really bothered me about that, where he's like, ah, ah, ah. When he's playing, okay, and I'll play my hand. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Really? Is that scene in the kitchen with Eddie and Pennywise, because it's so much scarier that Pennywise is playful. About like, right. he's like I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> right. He's like, I am, I am. What am I gonna do it now? No, you now. Right. That to me is so much scarier than just like immediately turning into a fanged monster, because it you just have to endure it. Well, and that's my favorite scene. That's the, my vote for. Well, like I said, scene. it was it was weird. Um, and I know I'm just making a sound on the podcast, which is hard to translate into what I'm doing, but. In the movie, there's a, there's a part where he's kind of on top of Eddie, basically, because Eddie has fallen from the second floor and has broken his arm and is basically kind of helpless on the floor of the kitchen. And, and he's paralyzed in fear because Pennywise comes crawling out of the refrigerator. A refrigerator in, like, a re- he was, like, compressed in, like, a very, like, everything was snapped backwards and weird. So as he crawls out, his body kind of, like, transformer style like clicks back into place which was also really unsettling yeah um but yeah when he has his hand he grabs eddie's hand and he just keeps like putting it towards his mouth like he like flops it around and it's broken (laughs) right but he but i don't know it was the like near his mouth thing when he's just like ah ah (laughs) like and he made that sound and it was just like oh my god and you could see it on eddie's face like 
oh my god like what is he gonna do and i kept thinking i was like at any minute he's just gonna fucking bite a finger off you know what i mean yeah. like he's going full golem yeah any second it now. was fucking weird and so for me that was that was one of the moments where i was probably the most tense um also <laughs> i thought the uh when richie was in the clown room and I hated that. I hate clowns. And Richie's thing kept popping up. So like when they first went into the Niebold house and Richie finds the missing poster for himself right. and like freaks the fuck out. I, I, I want to yes. raise my hand because uh-huh. this is something that and I don't know if they meant to do this on purpose, but that to me I felt was so deep because I think Richie lied about his fear being clowns. I think Richie's fear is being forgotten Interesting. because that's why he's so mouthy. He's always making jokes. He's all, you know, and people like that usually have some sort of inferiority complex. So they're trying to make themselves always present and always relevant. And the fact that that's what it kept going back to was lost, lost, found in the, in the maggots in the right. coffin. I thought that was really kind of deep and maybe i'm reading too much into it but that's how i read that interesting i did not pick up on that but i definitely can see where your your point is um but yeah i thought that whole scene was freaky i thought him you know looking around that room of clowns was freaky i thought when he put the lid down and suddenly pennywise like jumped down and was on top of the coffin uh in front of him that was fucking scary um the weird not Eddie. Eddie was really weird. Oh, in the mattress. Yeah, and that his like was head creepy. just came out of the mattress and yeah. was like fucking shaking and shit, and was like, uh, "Was it a loogie contest or whatever?" Yeah, something. He's like, "You guys want to do a loogie?" And like the fucking ooze like started coming out of the mattress. It was just fucking weird. Like it was just really, really weird. And it was horrifying. You know, they run into the next room and there's three doors and it says. Very not scary, scary, or is this very scary, scary, and then not scary at all? Right. That's such a ridiculous, silly, horrifying thing all at the same time, because obviously the not scary at all is a trick. Right. But that's obviously. the door they choose. And it was a trick. And it was totally a trick, because inside that door is, uh, what's her name again? Betsy Rip- Rip- Ripson? Ripson. Yeah, Betsy Ripson. Uh, who was a girl who had gone missing. Yeah. Um, and she's there. And they had found, when they were exploring the sewers earlier, they had found her shoe, which had her name written on the inside. And, of course, when they see her in this vision, she's missing her legs and asking for her shoe. Yeah. Horrifying. It was gross and yeah. weird and just unsettling. Um, so that was weird. Uh, but yeah, I think the Niebold house stuff for me was probably the scariest. Like it right. was just that fear. And also as they, you know, Pennywise was attacking them individually. He kept isolating them in rooms yes. and then preying on whatever their fear may be. That was pretty intense. Yeah. Like the leper for Eddie, which was real so gross. gross, real gross. They did a real great job of making it look real, real gross. Yeah, he was nasty. So, so, have you thought of your favorite scene yet? Nothing makes for good podcasts like dead air. I'm so sorry. You know, I just... I don't know if I can pinpoint one scene as being my favorite. That's totally fair. 
Okay. Well, so if if the scenes aren't the favorite, I remember one of the other criteria you had brought up when we were going to see it was that they have to get the kids right. So what did everybody think of the kids? I thought they were fucking fantastic. Especially uh, the kid from Stranger Things, Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard and then, and then Bev. I thought Bev was awesome. I, I loved Ben, Bev, and Richie were my favorites. That's fair. I think Eddie, Bev, and Richie were Oh, my favorites. you're right, Eddie. Eddie was so good. Yeah. I don't know who that actor was, but he was great. I really dug it. Hey, what you got? Eddie was really, really good. Um, I thought they got him pretty much spot on. Um, I liked Stan. Um, I didn't like his story changes so much, but but they got his character right. And then um, Beverly was good. Um, you know, there's a part in the movie where Pennywise looks at Richie and he goes, beep, beep, Richie. And that's a big thing in the book. Yeah. That doesn't happen at all in the movie except for, it, that, for that one, one yeah. reference. Like, Why do that? What is the beep, beep thing? referenced it up until that point. It's the joke they have back and forth among the Losers Club. Like, when Richie's doing something real dumb, like Bill will go, beep, beep, Richie. Like, kind of like... Well, dumb, or he goes yeah. too far, or it's basically a way to just go, shut up. So my question is, because they left that scene in, do you think that they filmed scenes with the kids being like, beep, beep, Richie, and that just got cut out? I have to believe they did, because... Or it's just a really weird misplaced Easter egg, which the rest of the film is so well done and tight that I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. Right. Like I I feel like it had to have been somewhere in the, in the movie and maybe it's on the editing room floor. Interesting. Yeah. But see, I, I have to make a statement because I agree with you a, that I liked how they wrote the Stan character, you know, as Q, as we were talking about beforehand, Stan's the kid who just refuses to believe it. Right. And he always feels like, you know, the, the last man standing or last man right. agreeing type of thing. But for some reason, I felt like the actor who did Stan, I felt like he was the weakest of, of the seven. I agree. I think he was forgettable. The yeah. character was very forgettable. I, I, I liked the way they wrote the character. Like on page and on screen and for the purpose of the movie, the character was good. But there were more times when I didn't believe that actor delivering his lines than I did for anybody else. All right. I can get behind that. But I mean, I, I really did think they all did really, really well. Like I was legitimately blown away by how good the Bev character was. I can agree with that. And I think this is a perfect segue to a question that I want to ask, which is dreamcast adult version of these children. Now I say we split up the group I got one in mind for Bev that I think is spot on. Can I guess it? Sure. Is it Jessica Chastain? It is not. Okay. Who is it? Amy Adams. I can get behind that. I actually think Jessica Chastain might look the part better. I don't know. I think I think Bev had a real Amy Adams kind of quirkiness to her. Jessica Chastain may be too pretty. May maybe. Well, that's the thing, though, is that in the book, Beverly's beautiful. No, I mean I get it, but I I also think she has to have. A, a, a not approachable quality like a girl but next a, door quality yeah something something that's like um not model-esque you know what i mean and right. i feel like jessica chastain may be too pretty like too not real world what's that enough. girl's name from the village oh bryce um, dallas howard bryce dallas howard 
I think she could do it. I think she could probably do could, it too. That'd be great. I could I, totally I get could. behind that too. I don't think Amy Adams could do it. You yeah, don't I, think she could do it. I have you seen The Arrival? I have. She seen got the Arrival. chops. She yeah, can knock that shit out of I'm the park. I'm not saying she doesn't have the chops. I'm just saying she's not Beverly. Yeah, I I would actually lean more toward the Bryce Dallas Howard, especially like the performance from this Black is bullshit. Mirror. You two ganging up on me. This no, is no, the, I don't. Like I this. I agree with it though. I mean, because I would probably. Of course lean, you do. I would probably lean towards Jessica Chastain personally, um, just because she has that gritty grittiness to her in like um, Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. Like a Zero Dark Thirty Jessica Chastain or sure. a Mama Jessica Chastain. Sure, He's worked sure. with her before. Right, but Jessica exactly. Chastain doesn't play a victim well. Okay, I can get on board for that. I mean, the whole movie Mama is her being a victim, though, by a strange demon. Yeah, that's true. But then she has dark hair, so she's not Bev. Right. So I don't know if she could do it with the red hair. Um, All right, so we'll go with Bryce Dallas Howard. I can get behind that. So for Richie, I'd like, I have one for Richie. Okay. Given, well, I have two for Richie, but given how Finn Wolfhard looks as the character and how he acts... I think Bill Hader. Bill Hader. I think he could do it because have you seen Skeleton Twins? Mm-hmm. This like kind of the rom com that he not rom com but like dramedy that he does with Kristen yeah. Wiig. Yeah, yeah, he's super great in that. So given dramatic material, I think he could perform. He looks like Finn Wolfhart would all grown up, and he could play that sarcastic, rattle off voices defensive like i use comedy as a defense mechanism character really well i think okay i can get behind that i would yeah. also be perfectly fine with seth green i was no. gonna say seth green <laughs> stunt casting just since, because since seth green was richie in the miniseries right i would be fine with that no, so no he doesn't look no. like what finn wolfhard at all but no, no bill Hader's my vote for richie okay if anybody has a better one throw it out there but i think he, yeah, i think that's spot on that's pretty good yeah um yeah, looks wise, I think that that's pretty, that's pretty solid. Good choice, good choice, everybody. Thank you. Thank now, you. Uh, Mike. See, Mike, I almost want to say, and I don't know the actor's name, but he's uh, on The Walking Dead. He's the guy with the walking staff on The Walking Dead. Hold on, I'm gonna look up his name while I while other people throw okay. out. Uh, I'm gonna throw out. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he would be good. He'd be good, Mike. I could. I would throw out uh, Chadwick Boseman. Who's that? He's oh, the, Black Panther he, guy. He's a Black Panther. I I could get behind that. I I feel like not tortured enough. I feel like he's maybe doesn't look old enough to be 27 years removed from a 13 year old. Not not tortured enough. I think he's there. Like this is the guy I'm talking that, about. That's the guy right there. Because I think that he has that like I've broke, seen some shit. like weathered, broken, and in the in the book, Mike's the one that stays behind as the lookout. Everybody else leaves and forgets about it, okay. so they can live a normal life. So I'm life. just gonna let you guys cast the rest of this. <laughs> So go go for it. No, 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 no. I want to know. I insist. I want to know your suggestion for Ben because Ben, the chubby one who grows up to be like a really handsome architect. Uh, I'm gonna go with Katie Holmes. I like it. <laughs> I'm gonna agree with whatever unexpected. You said. <laughs> unexpected. So he's so he he has an operation. And he comes. Turns back out as he's Katie. trans. He's, he comes back as Katie Holmes. Yes. See, you had said in the car, Chris Pratt. Yeah, and I kind of can't stop thinking about that. <laughs> I think that would be good. The problem is, I think Chris Pratt is maybe a little too schmarmy. 
And Ben is very sweet. Yeah, like, that's yeah. true. I he don't. Is. I think. I think that. Um, I think Chris Pratt. I don't know that he can play. You know who I wouldn't mind? Chris Pine. I could totally get you behind know what? Chris Pine. You know what right I mean? There. I could totally get behind Chris, Chris Pine. Very handsome, but also like has that kind of he, like charming. He can play sweetness. Charm. You know what I mean? You know, and he would have grown up. You know, Ben grows up to be very confident because he lives the you know, life of a thin person for a long time. Right. So Chris Pine can play that, but I think he could also regress into the inner turmoil, Ben. Right. So I could totally get behind Yay, that. Yay, I did one! Um, what does everybody think about for Bill? Bill's a tough one because I'm trying to think. I almost want to say if he were alive, River Phoenix, but, but maybe that's because of Stand By Me. Um, what about Joaquin Phoenix? No. That I don't know, Joaquin. I don't know. I don't know if he he needs to be more slender than that. Mel Gibson. Yes. <laughs> now who would be who would be really good? Like, ah, uh, I can't think of. I can't. I am blanking on who I think would be good for Bill. That's maybe like a Patrick Wilson. Maybe I can see that. Kind of like stoic, someone you believe you can depend on. Yeah, I could totally see that. So I think Patrick that would Wilson, be a good one, yeah, awesome, definitely, and right age. Patrick Wilson, he's uh, from The Conjuring. He, yeah, he's the main guy in The Conjuring. Um, he's also in Watchmen. He's the owl guy in Watchmen. He's in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could totally see him as a Bill. Yeah, that that that'd be my vote. I could see that. And then the last one is Stan. Don't forget Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Oh, my God, Eddie. Yeah. Why do I keep forgetting Eddie? He was literally one of my favorite parts. You know of the who movie. I'd like for Eddie? Charlie Day. Yes. Charlie Day. Yeah, the guy, he's um from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's the crazy little one. He was also in that fist fight movie with no. Ice Cube. I think he would be perfect because he's intense, especially towards the end. <coughs> and throughout this movie, that kid played it very like he was almost as smart ass as as uh richie you know yeah. what i mean like he had some solid like shut the fuck up manic yeah. kind of moments uh um, i could totally i i mean and i'm not talking full-on unhinged charlie day i'm talking like like the character eddie but right. played by charlie day right because he's got that intensity i, I think could, i could back that up now amanda you said no so i'd rather have that guy what was it <sighs> johnny galecki no Nah, he's too meek. <laughs> Who's that guy? We watched that mummy movie. Who's the guy? Oh, uh, Jake Johnson? Yeah, his sidekick. Yeah. Yeah, him. I could kind of I could honestly see Jake Johnson doing a Richie. Yeah, I could totally see Jake Johnson Richie. Not like anything that Jake Johnson is in. Who did we say originally for Richie? Um Bill Hader. Okay, I, li- I do like that choice. Uh, I I'd still stick with Bill Hader. Um, man, that one's tough. Cause he needs to be, he needs to be sarcastic and intense, but still kind of twitchy. You know what I mean? Like he need, he needs to still have that. Like I right. feel like Jake Johnson is too. Well, and and one confident. thing, one of the things that Jake Johnson gives off is that like ooze of bachelorhood. Right. You know, actually thinking about where he's going to be in the story. I mean, Eddie grows up to marry a very domineering. Woman, woman that's like his wife or that's like his mother and he like runs a limo service so we kind of need someone who can play meek 
meek and twitchy real well. And I kind of keep going what about, back to Charlie Day. What about even what about right. a Jason Bateman? I was just about to say Jason Bateman. Because Jason Bateman can play kind of a downtrodden. Or maybe Jason Bateman for Bill. No, I think I, th- I think Jason Bateman's almost too. I don't know. He's done a lot of serious shit lately. I don't know. I kind of like him better for the Eddie. Because yeah. I could see him as downtrodden, but also kind of having yeah. that little bit of spunk. And I'm, I keep I keep going back to horrible bosses, Charlie Day. Charlie Day, yeah. yeah. Where it's not like over the top, but right. it's definitely a little more manic. Now for Stan, I have an idea. Okay, John C. Riley. What? Got the curly hair. He can sort of play. I can get behind that. I, but I do think he is maybe aged out. Maybe, but I, I, he I don't can do know. it. He's got the chops. He's about the same. He's gonna look about the same age as the guy from The Walking Dead. That's I mean, true. That guy looks pretty old too. I mean, he's that's true. Gray. So. I guess. Now I would hate Will for, Ferrell. I would hate for John C. Riley to do it because Stan is barely in. Is gonna barely be in the next movie. Right. So it could be like a character actor. It could be, you know, like some guy from The American. John C. McGinley. Yes. I don't know who that from is. From Scrubs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. a doctor, whatever. Yeah, sure, him. Yeah, that one. That, that guy. That guy. You know what I'm that guy. About. All right, so that's pretty good. And I think Bill Skarsgård should continue to play Pennywise. Forever. Yes. Just He was a great eternally. Pennywise. I agree. Yeah, he did amazing. So speaking of Pennywise, I say we've discussed this movie pretty solidly, and we're winding down. I say we end it with a nice rousing round of Pennywise impressions and yeah. we'll see who can who can crush it. I don't know if I can do that. I you can do it. I believe I, I believe we all can do it. I believe it. So uh do we want to give our best like sewer and Georgie scene? Sure. Do you want to look up the dialogue? I will. Okay, I've got an idea. While you're looking up that dialogue, there is one question I want to ask A because I know I know there were some things that bothered you about what they changed from the book. Uh, so Yeah. Like, give us the top three or four things that you were bummed that they changed from the book. Not that they left out, like, the Patrick Hockstetter thing, but that they just changed for seemingly no reason. Or the ones that stuck out to you that bothered you. And you can kind of let us know those two or three things while Q, while Q looks up this dialogue. Okay, well, let me, let me, let me preface this with, I, I liked this movie. I enjoyed this movie very much. It was well-made. Right. Well-acted. I love it. It's great. But I was disappointed because the monsters to these children in the book are very different. You right. Know, um, the painting that comes to life comes to life for Stan. That doesn't happen in the book. You know, like I right, said, it's that the silo, silo thing. thing, you know. And then with um, uh, Beverly's scene was, was almost accurate i mean a few little details but um and then the eddie scene was pretty close eddie's was pretty close um and then um ben's was not right uh richie's no um and um bill and bill yeah those they weren't right they they completely changed them which again the way they played them wasn't necessarily wrong it was very enjoyable and horrifying but i you know i guess i just kind of walked into it thinking 
that I was going to see these monsters play out the way I had read them. And I didn't get to see that. And that was a little disappointing for me. Right. I can, I can see that. Now, I will say there were one or two things they changed from the book to the movie that I'm not going to say that I liked better, but that I can say that I was completely fine with. Mm. And one of those changes was, you know, in the, in the movie queue, you know, Pennywise's home is under the house on Nybolt Street. Right. That is not in the book. It's basically the entrance to Pennywise's house is in, uh, I forget what the name of the building is, but it's basically the sewer entrance in the Barrens. It's like an old abandoned factory. More okay. like the miniseries, the gotcha. way the miniseries did it. But I don't know, for me, like I know that they changed that, but there's something about putting it in the house on Nybolt Street that just makes that house that much creepier. And I kind of didn't mind that they changed that. You know, I don't, and I don't know kind of your feelings on today, but for me, that change didn't bother me. I actually kind of liked it. It's not necessarily a change because in the book, it talks about how um, there is a part of the sewer that that runs under that house, right? And and it and it likes it there for some reason. I don't remember specifically what it was about the book, but but that it, it does hang out there quite often. Right, but it's not like the entrance to its house. Like they no. go in in the barrens, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that building. I forget what it's called. So I can't find the dialogue from the new movie. Okay. But you're no, that building that you're talking about, that's from the mini series. Okay. But in so how do they get in there in the in the book? Do they just enter like a sewer tube? Yeah, there's okay. just, there's just like an open pipe. Oh, okay. I did see, and that's that's one of the things. Some of the miniseries in the book blends together for me because it's right. been so long since I've read it. Mm-hmm. So, are we ready to get our Pennywise on? I guess so. so we're gonna read the old Pennywise dialogue with the new <laughs> Pennywise accent. Right. Okay. So, um, Q starts off. All right. Let's see here. <clears throat> trying to trying to find the voice. Hi, hi, Georgie. Aren't you gonna say hello? Ah, come on, bucko. Don't you want a balloon? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Not bad. So, okay. So, I'll read the same same bit and I'll try to get uh I'll try to I'll try to get, really channel my my scars guard. Okay. So. Hi, Georgie. Aren't you going to say hello? Oh, come on, bucko. Don't you want a b- 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 balloon? Was, I think that was pretty good. That was pretty solid. I like that a lot. That was real creepy. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. All right. Now, A. I don't know if I can do this. You can do you it. You can. I, I believe, believe in you. <laughs> we said that at the exact same time. <laughs> Jinxies. Equal belief. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, Georgie. Aren't you going to say hello? Oh, come on, bucko. Don't you want a balloon? See, that was great. You gave it. You you had so much trepidation, that also but that made was me very uncomfortable. That was really creepy and great. That was great. That was a solid a solid rousing round yeah. of who can Pennywise. Who can Pennywise? You Pennywise? Question mark. You Pennywise? Everybody's Pennywise. So, so my God, <laughs> I was gonna say we should probably go around and do some sort of ranking system, right? Yeah. Like, so how many? How many hands out of five, how many high fives would you give it? 
The um, movie? Yeah, the movie. Just by itself. Like, the movie that we experienced. Not, you know, as an adaptation or the story, but just the movie we saw. I'll kick us off. Okay. I'm going to go four and a half ripped off Georgie Arms. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you know what? That's my vote as well. I'm, in, I'm doing four and a half ripped off Georgie Arms. Nice. A? I'll do four. Ooh, okay. So we have about an average of a 4.25 ripped off Georgie Arms. That's pretty good, especially for, for us. That is pretty good. This is going to be high on my list of movies for this year. This, like, I'm probably going to want to see it again. This is definitively on my top list of Stephen King adaptations. This is probably in the top three. Oh, easy. Oh, yeah, easy. I can sit here and talk about this movie for another hour, but I'm not going to. Because it's late, and we just got done watching it. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so all in all. Great movie. Much better experience than The Dark Tower, for sure. For, for sure. sure. And uh, luckily, it looks like we have a whole deluge of more Stephen King adaptations coming our way, including, in the very near future, a sequel to this movie. Oh, thank God. I'm so, so excited. 2019 is when they're saying it's going to be released. 2019! Same writer, and hopefully Muschietti comes Oh, uh, man, I hope so. I really, really he, do. He had the right vision for it. Uh, but yeah, all in all, great movie. I'm glad I got to see it with you guys. And, uh, yeah, you guys know how to reach out. Let us know once you see this movie what you think. You can reach out to us on Twitter at hi, the number five, the podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash high five, the podcast. You can go to the website at www.highfivethepodcast.com. And we're both on Letterboxd and Instagram. So just search high five, the podcast and find us on there, too. Let us know what you think. And uh, in the meanwhile, we all float down here. Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back? Um, yes, please. You look like a nice boy. Do you want a balloon to a Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Now we aren't strangers, are we? I should get going now. Oh. Without your boat? <laughs>